0: Welcome, Bankless Nation, to this special edition of Alpha Leak. The Alpha Leak episodes are where we explore projects, DAOs, communities, teams, all throughout the crypto space. Today, we are talking with Mike, the co founder of Lyra lyra is an on-chain options market on optimism on the optimism layer two and on-chain options options of course they're a fundamental financial primitive why don't we have them in crypto Uh, the answer is fees Uh, layer one blockchain fees are untenable and they're just the l1 blockchain just isn't fast enough to allow for on-chain options so we know that as a product options will always have come from layer twos but layer twos themselves have not yet been ready to support the amount of computation and amount of utility that options bring until now. Uh, The fees on Optimism, the fees on Arbitrum are approaching zero, uh, meaning that the optionality (laughs) for options is going through the roof. And with this, Lyra has finally gotten its Avalon launch out the door. It's coming out this week for the experienced options traders on Lyra and then the rest of the community at the end of this month. And so I brought... On Mike, the co founder of Lyra, to talk all about Lyra and on chain options and the world that gets unlocked when we finally get on chain options out the door. So, Bankless Nation, I hope you enjoy this Alpha Leak episode of the Bankless podcast right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. All right, Bankless Nation, welcome to this special Alpha Leak episode. We are talking to Mike, the co founder of Lyra. Lyra is on chain options based off of the Optimism Layer 2. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, let's go ahead and dive right into the genesis of Lyra. Can you kind of give the backstory for the project and how it came to be and and how it got started and who joined the, the team?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So back in 2020, I was working at Synthetix during DeFi summer as a smart contract engineer. And, you know, we were seeing a proliferation of activity on chain from Uniswap to Aave to Compound, all these new DeFi primitives being built and really taking off. People were looking at, you know, what's the next thing and derivatives were a really interesting kind of frontier that people were starting to explore. So there was some traction back then in perpetuals, like with DYDX uh, protocol and a few others, but options were still quite an untapped market. And I started to look into options back then. And I noticed some really interesting things. Options are actually really composable primitives, right? Like perhaps the most composable primitive you can possibly imagine, right? You get the right, but not the obligation to trade an asset for a certain price, on a certain date in the future. That's called the expiry. So with this template, you can basically construct any payoff you want, right? You can bet on the price of an asset going up, you can bet on the price of an asset going down. You can even do funny interesting things like bet on volatility and all these more intricate payoff structures that you know options traders like to use. What this means for DeFi though is it gives people the ability to manage their risk into the future, right? So the way an option actually works is you pay a premium to the option seller. And then you have now the right to do something in the future on that expiry date and that's a really really interesting template to start with i think so we decided that this would be something to try and build you know a liquid market for and we, we started to design what you know would be an automated market maker for, for trading options now we're big fans of the amm paradigm with uh, uniswap introduced and then was popularized by a number of other protocols but there were some problems when you know coming to the options context because Options have a number of different pricing risk and liquidity issues that really hadn't been tackled before. And we need to kind of start from scratch with a completely novel design.
0: Mike, the the AMM world has been adopted just absolutely just through the roof. Uh, it's kind of just a new status quo. Uh, wh- one thing I'm, I'm, I'd like to pick your brain on is uh, why options aren't skeuomorphic in the sense that like EtherDelta once tried to place the order book on chain, uh, but then that, that just did that just fell when we when we discovered the AMM through Uniswap. So why is on chain options the way to go Or is there something in the future that we haven't discovered yet that will just make on-chain options uh, just like redundant? Like give us the pitch for on-chain options.
1: Yeah, yeah, sounds good. I think it comes back to this template, right? So to give an example, right? Take the ETH 3000 call that expires at the end of this month. That's gonna give the holder the right, but not the obligation to buy ETH for $3,000 on the 31st of May. Now, if ETH was trading up at 4,000, that would obviously be a good trade to make. You'd net a profit of $1,000 per option. But on the flip side, say you think the ETH price is going to continue to go down during the current market conditions. Well, you could buy the 1500 put or the 1000 put and still net the difference if ETH did drop below that amount, right? So you have this template from which you can actually construct any payoff you want in the future. And I think what it kind of gets to is what options are actually doing at their core is allowing people to transfer risk from the buyer to the seller in exchange for paying the option premium. And that's a really fundamental requirement of any market because it allows people that aren't speculators on the price to enter the market. So you just have to look back at when and how derivatives actually got started. They weren't started for like leverage or speculation or gambling. It was actually to allow people like commodities farmers and producers to be able to offload risk, right? They were going to produce a certain amount of a crop, you know, in a month's time or three months time. And they actually needed to have certainty right now because they had fixed costs. They had to pay their employees, all these types of things. Right. So without derivatives and without options specifically, you don't have the ability for markets to really onboard non-speculators, right. In a way that's sustainable. So I think, the ability for DeFi to do that and flashing forward to what DeFi is doing, right? It's creating a market for everything of value, right? So tokenization via ESC 20, 721, and all these types of things is pushing more people into markets than ever before. And more people are becoming holders of tokens. Not all these people are speculators, right? A lot of them just want to, say, stake ETH, earn yield from securing the beacon chain, or hold a governance token and participate in that network and do some activity, whether it's staking or use the token in the network. And these people need to be able to control their risk into the future. So I tend to think that's a pretty essential requirement for for any market and and something that's actually quite crypto-native.
0: So is the argument that options are such a foundational primitive to the financial world that there is no replacing them in the same way that we kind of replace order books with the amm as in they, they are just so critical and so like deep in the stack that there is no way that an options the options uh primitive could be skeuomorphic as in we we, we it's just like a known science and we're going to have options for the rest of time
1: that that's right because it's such a flexible template that you can literally construct anything from it so it's more than you know it, it is the sort of fundamental primitive from which you can build any financial payoff that you want with enough options
0: so why isn't why haven't options taken off more than they already have uh what's the difficulty and limitations of on-chain options yeah so this flexibility which is so great for the user makes
1: market making a very complex endeavor right so when you're making markets on options right you have a, a ton of risk and This is a known science in the real world, options market making, but it's something that's very difficult to do on-chain in an automated fashion. So early options protocols on-chain really went for one of two approaches. The first was the order book, right? And it's kind of similar to the Ether Delta example that you used, you know, early on-chain option DEXs um, using an order book struggled with liquidity and really pricing depth issues on L1. As we know, L1 is not a great place for building an order book due to latency and now due to gas problems as well. So that didn't really work that well. The other type was the AMM type, right? Which is the right approach, but there's a whole lot of complexity you have to deal with to build an options AMM that's able to one, price options efficiently, two, aggregate liquidity, and three, manage risk for liquidity providers. And early protocols weren't able to do this all again on L1. It's not something you can fit into the Ethereum L1 gas constraints. You need to basically design a protocol natively for L2. In our case, we chose Optimism to be able to solve the pricing, liquidity, and risk management issues.
0: Okay, so definitely one of the the big issues is that options, uh, as far as I know, are very computationally intensive. Um, yeah. Maybe not maybe not overly so, but definitely more than you would ever want to put on the Ethereum L1. So we need layer twos to really get this done. Um, but uh, I think even layer twos in their in their genesis state still probably didn't have the low fees that were really required for something like, like Lyra to take off. Uh, is all of this tracking?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we needed, you know, recently Optimism's been able to compress call data down a lot and get gas fees down even lower. We're still seeing in the kind of $1 to $3 range on, on our mainnet at the moment, but looking for that to come down with EIP 4844 and some of these other advancements to really into the, you know, cents per transaction.
0: So what's it really going to take for Lyra to eat into like the centralized uh, exchange options market? Because as far as I, uh, if I know the the numbers, I think like something like Deribit has like eighty plus percent of total market share for for options. Uh, so what's it going to take for Lyra to eat into the centralized exchange option market?
1: Yeah. So I think it all starts with pricing, and this is where we kind of you know our first innovation at Lyra is building a volatility model that's able to accurately map the the options surface. Right. So. As I said, like the Lyra's AMM is quite different to the way other options AMMs work and other AMMs in general, right? So, you know, if you look at something like Uniswap, you're trying to find the ratio of the assets to, you know, determine the spot price with options AMMs, what you're trying to actually do. And the key thing you're trying to work out is what's the implied volatility of underlying asset and that's the key parameter that is used in options pricing so what lyra does is it kind of makes a market around implied volatility so that when traders come to the protocol and and buy options they push up implied volatility and when they come and sell they push it back down so by creating a two-way market for implied volatility lyra's amm is able to work out exactly what the market is sort of implying the volatility to be and then use this parameter as an input to the options pricing formula which is known as black shoals which is very well used in the traditional world. Um, Once we have a fair price here, we're able to trade options either side at at the market value. But unfortunately, this is still not enough. And this is the second thing that we need to be able to do to really start to tackle the the centralized exchange volume volume, is to actually manage risk for liquidity providers. So options are inherently very risky products and they incur a number of risks over different dimensions, right? So you've got exposure to the underlying asset price going up and down. You've got exposure to the implied volatility going up and down all these types of things. And Lyra is basically the first protocol to actively manage and sort of mitigate these risks for liquidity providers. So we hedge Delta risk for our LPs. We do that actually in a composable way by going off to synthetics and iterating over our liquidity pools exposure to work out exactly how short or how long do we need to be the base asset. And this helps our LPs stay what's called Delta hedged, which means that you know when the price of ETH goes up or down, they're not making any money or losing any money. It's independent for them. The other one as well is implied volatility risk, which is really important because that goes up and down a lot. And this is kind of similar to this notion of IL you get in Uniswap. And we, we have more difficulty hedging this because you need you actually need options to hedge uh, IV risk. It's called Vega risk. We don't have an options protocol to use. That's why we started building Lara. Um, so what we do is we kind of build it into the fee that we charge so that if you come to make a trade that increases the IV risk of the pool, you'll get charged proportionately higher fees. And on the other hand, if you get come to make a trade that reduces that risk, you'll get charged a proportionately lower fee. So I think with the pricing and liquidity issues that we are currently solving, once we have that in a position where the prices are actually as competitive as Deribit and the LPs are as protected as they would be on Deribit on an order book, I think we're able to really start to offer, you know the best of the traditional uh, options experience with the best of DeFi, which is like the markets are fully permissionless. They're always on you know, aggregation of liquidity, these types of things. Mm-hmm.
0: So when it comes to building an options market on-chain, uh, what are the differences that you've had to build Lyra versus what you would might typically expect out of a typical off-chain centralized options market? Like, what what have you had to, like, re-engineer and build from scratch? And overall, what are the pros, the benefits of, like, building option markets on-chain? Like, what does being on-chain, like, get for you? But then also, what are the costs of that as well? Yeah.
1: So I think the biggest challenge for us was liquidity aggregation. So each option is kind of an independent token, right? Even when they have the same assets and early approaches kind of looked at this um, model and would kind of separate out and have one liquidity pool per option. This causes big fragmentation problems and means that you never really have enough depth in the market to service, you know, trades of any substantial size. So what we have done at Lyra is build a single liquidity pool per asset so that all the liquidity is stored across like the ETH market, for every option that, that gets traded on ETH. And this allows us to have, I guess, a style that's much more similar to like a Uniswap AMM when all the liquidity can enter, provide a lot of depth and really minimize slippage for traders. But this has been a difficult thing because when you aggregate all the liquidity together, pulled liquidity is great but it also means pulled risk and this is where you actually need to start to iterate over the liquidity pool to work out what is the net exposure of all this liquidity to say delta the asset price or vega the implied volatility risk so this led to the second problem which is probably the main thing i guess design decision we've made at lyra which is that we could never really do this building it on L1. We needed the ability to do computationally difficult things. And that kind of led us to going directly to optimism because we needed you know, an order of magnitude, more scalability than we can get. So I think to solve the liquidity problem, you need pooled liquidity, but that introduces the pooled risk problem. And to solve that, you have to go to layer two. So it's been, a, I guess, series of steps to get where we are.
0: And w- one of the things that I've noticed with Lyra is that the options of that are available to users don't go out that far. like. I would today, right now, if I could take an option out for some ridiculously high ETH priced uh, in December, right? Something like six to $7,000 ether December calls, because I think the merge is coming. But uh, right now, as far as I can tell, uh, Lyra options only extend out about a month in advance. So what's the limitation there? And and what's the roadmap for that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it's something we're dealing with at the moment. Um, So the limitation in v1 of Lyra is that liquidity is locked for the entire duration of a trading round. And that's because uh, when liquidity providers want to leave the pool, we have to work out exactly what their share of the pool is. And that includes exposure to options that are still outstanding today. So it's quite difficult to on-chain work out exactly how much they're entitled to when you don't know how many options are going to finish in the money versus out of the money. In V1, we kind of chose to sidestep this complexity and just lock the money for the entire trading round. But that meant we had to pick a maximum length we would put the money in there for so we picked a one month period and we would list options at the start of each month right so at the start of the month you'd get a fairly good selection at one two three four weeks but these would drop off as we move into the month and then by the last week of the month there's only one expiry left all the liquidity is still locked it's not a great experience for either traders or lps at that point so what we've done with avalon which is our new release of the protocol that's coming out Uh, next week actually for some of our more experienced traders and then a couple weeks later for the public is we're getting rid of those limitations so we're giving LPs the the ability to enter and exit the protocol at any time so we've designed a mechanism that actually computes the aggregate share of the pool that the LP has and includes the value of those options so that they can enter and exit whenever that there's still a short delay but it means that The follow-on effect from this anytime entry exit thing is that we can list expiries now out to three months, so 12 weeks away, so that whenever you turn up to the protocol as a trader, you'll have an access to, you know, one, two, three, four, all the way out to 12 weeks, and this will give a much more comprehensive experience, right? I think there'll be up to 100 strike and expiry combinations per asset for traders to use. Um, we're not all the way to 12 months just yet because we still need to, uh, we still do have money. It's difficult to incentivize people to lock up for that long. There has to be liquidity backing that option. So the market hasn't really implied that there's enough demand there yet for that to happen, but we're slowly increasing the, yeah, the limits with Avalon and hoping to get to, um, yeah, longer expires as well in the future.
0: Okay. So is, is there a path forward for something like two year long options, or is that just going to be untenable for the amount of uh, capital lockup?
1: There may be, it's going to require people willing to lock liquidity for that long. So the rate that they demand on that might be quite high. Um, Mm -hmm. There is, I mean, there is also as well, another thing that's coming with, with Avalon, which can help with this, which is like the ability to partially collateralize options positions, right? So we're giving traders the ability to, rather than have to post the full collateral, actually post a subset of that, and then it does introduce liquidation risk, but it means that they're able to get four to five times more capital efficiency, right? So mm-hmm. if we introduce that on the back end as well to the AMM, then we can perhaps have a position where you can start to partially collateralize further dated options, and you know start to push the boundaries really there maybe out to a year.
0: Okay, I want to dive into uh, the Avalon uh, update just uh, comprehensively. But before we get there, one last uh, generalized question is the is question of composability. Um, and there's already a number of things that we've talked about, that you've talked about, that I think would be useful for the rest of DeFi, like implied volatility that can, in theory, turn into an oracle, which the rest of DeFi can tap into, right? So like, what, what are the, what's the surface area that Lyra has that can be composed, composable in the rest of DeFi? Like the options markets themselves, I'm sure is one, the implied volatility Oracle, I'm sure is another one. Just overall, can you talk about the potential for composability with Lyra and the rest of DeFi?
1: Yeah, for sure. It really is like, I think the true power of options on chain is composability. Um, so I guess to begin, the options are, you know, there's two sides to options markets, right? There's the buy side, buying calls and puts, and then there's the sell side, you know, selling options to the the AMM, right? So one of the, I think the first area I'd like to talk about, which is something that we've seen really take off in the last kind of 12 months in DeFi is this idea of like option vaults, right? So people who are, you can deposit ETH to a a vault and it will sell options on that ETH for you and you'll generate a cash flow, right? This has become a really, um, I think, fast growing segment of DeFi because a lot of people are interested in yield, although it's not exactly, you know, actual yield because you are selling volatility risk for for what you're generating but it's a really natural evolution to that process and I think Lyra provides the first on-chain venue for those projects to actually come and build an option vault that settles fully on-chain rather than having to go off-chain and make a deal with a market maker or do something like that you can turn up to Lyra Build your project and trade directly with the amm and we're actually seeing a couple of projects that have started doing this already there's polynomial finance who have launched option vaults on top of lyra now there's brahma finance as well and they're doing something even more interesting which is uh, basically they are taking interest from l1 uh, yield farming say in convex or curve these types of things And they're bridging it over to optimism via an aggregator called Socket and using that interest to actually buy options on a repetitive basis so it's another vault but it's on the buy side. And what it's doing is it's kind of boosting the returns or the expected yield of that liquidity farming or yield farming, um, which I think is going to be, I think, something that grows a lot in the next couple of months. So there's options on the buy side and the sell side there's also this whole risk mitigation piece right so. If you're LPing in Uniswap or on a lending protocol, or really on any protocol at all, you have some exposure to the asset that you're LPing, right? If you're lending ETH or you know LPing Uniswap, you're going to have to be able to deal with the ability or the chance that the price goes down. And what Lyra lets you do is basically turn up in a composable way and buy puts or buy calls or whatever you need to do to hedge your risk in an automated fashion. So that I think by the time Avalon comes out, this will be perfectly ready for you know these types of integrations. The other one you mentioned as well was implied volatility. And I think having a true on-chain source for IV is something really interesting because that can be tokenized itself and used to allow people to trade the spikes that we see in the market, you know, at the moment and perhaps into the future.
0: Wait, so does this mean that, uh, Lyra could like provide the on-chain VIX?
1: Potentially. Yeah. We're, we're not there yet, but may, maybe one day out the on-chain markets at Lyra will be the, the source of implied volatility. Yeah.
0: Amazing. That's really, really cool. Okay, let's dive into into Avalon itself. Uh, Let's also start from the beginning. We've we've talked about it a little bit, uh, and you see some of the features, but overall, what is Avalon from a high level?
1: Yeah, so Avalon is our biggest upgrade to the protocol since we launched on Mainnet last August. Uh, It's basically a full revamping of the trading and LP experience so that it's entirely seamless for users on both sides. Um, The three main takeaways, I guess, from Avalon are the first one is anytime entry exit to the liquidity pool so as i said that's the ability to for lps to come and go as they please and the best thing about that is it makes the liquidity pool tokens fungible erc20s so now these tokens can leave the ecosystem and be injected into the range of erc20 integrations that exist right so lending borrowing trading on uniswap secondary markets it really opens up the erc20 tokens as like yield bearing instruments um then the next one is rolling expiries, as I said. So the ability to go out to three months or 12 weeks basically um, and have options on a consistent rolling basis means that for a trader, you're able to turn up to the protocol, as I said before, and have a hundred strike and expiry combinations available no matter when you turn up. This is a really, really good upgrade because not only does it benefit traders but it means the integrators that we discussed before they have this kind of always on programmable liquidity on a rolling basis right so no matter when they're turning up they don't have the problem of like at the end of the month there's no options to trade anymore they can always pick a new subset and build a new uh, integration the final one which i think is you know worth calling out is this partial collateralization of uh short options positions so it's difficult in v1 in Lyra for traders to arbitrage the vol surface back in line and that's because you need so much collateral to sell it back down, it's hard to keep it you know, lined up with something like Deribit. What we've done is we've basically introduced a mechanism that you can partially collateralize these positions and you will be at risk of liquidation if you don't have enough value in your uh, account basically to cover the option position, but you get so much more capital efficiency that you can start to bring the devolve service in line much more efficiently. So it's great for traders, but it's even better for the protocol because the protocol is a much healthier position than it was.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. And then, uh, so all of this is coming very, very soon. Uh, but what about what's left, what's left to complete the vision of the Lyra protocol and also what is the vision of the Lyra protocol if Lyra is maximally successful?
1: Yeah, for sure. So there's, there's still a lot left. Um, so we want fully permissionless automated markets on, Every asset that exists on chain, um, any strike and expiry combination that a user or a protocol wants to trade, we want that to just be available out of the box, right? And that's quite hard because it's a complex thing, options market making, and you need to be able to design design it in a way that's still modular enough so that it can spin up new markets, new options um, to really fit user demand. One of the best things about DeFi is the markets can react to, you know, the new thing and whatever the new demand is on, you know, on a whim. So we need to be able to support that. The second thing is about really like battening down LP risk and making sure that LP risks are mitigated so that they can stay in the game. They can earn the premiums for trading these options and they can be, you know, I guess a source of uncorrelated yield over the long term that you can't really generate anywhere else on chain because options Mm -hmm. market making can be very profitable. It just requires the ability to manage these risks. So permissionless markets, uh, uncorrelated returns for LPs, and finally is just making sure the protocol is maximally accessible to the universe of possible integrations right as i said at the start composability is the best thing about options the protocol itself needs to support this sort of composability right so you need to be able to turn up either as a someone looking to offload risk or someone looking to generate yield and be able to access the protocol and the asset that you want so that's what i think would you know we still have to do
0: the uh, new source of yield got me got me really really excited because uh, with the coming of layer 2s bridges also offer a very strong brand new source of yield but that's that's just you know in addition to and completely separate from options also providing another source of yield. Uh, I'll, I'll frequently make the, the joke in the crypto space, that's also not a joke, that the crypto space has done produced three things that we know are product market fit. One is store of value, money, Bitcoin, Ether. Uh, one is yield and DeFi. Just, we, there's many, many ways to make yield. The third is content. Um, but this one fits into the category of the second one where uh, yield is just uh it's one of the main sources of of uh, just economic energy that we see throughout throughout all of defi uh and i haven't even considered options as being a long-term sustainable brand new source of yield so that gets me really really excited exactly
1: i think defi needs to move off
0: this kind of unsustainable model of yield farming and towards
1: more sustainable approaches as you mentioned and options just present a way to do that um there are risks obviously you are selling volatility and you're selling future Risk, but I think it's a, something that's sort of worthwhile if you know the the risks and you're educated.
0: Yeah, and it's also a known science, right? It's not like we're inventing mm. inventing the wheel here. Like this is something that happens in TradFi all the time.
1: Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. options markets often dictate the real markets in traditional finance.
0: Right. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah, we haven't really unlocked that too all well, too too much uh, in the in the world of crypto, not, at least not yet. Um, I would imagine as uh, the world of layer twos comes online, the world of options also gets really, really unleashed. Uh, and so that is something very, very exciting to, to look forward to. Uh, just a, bit, a last bit of the conversation before before I wrap this up, Mike, is uh, the Optimism token has recently been announced, and Optimism's on-chain activity is hitting new records. Uh, and if I'm interpreting the the, the uh, airdrop and the, and the commitment of the Optimism team is that uh, every single app on Optimism will be getting a share of OP tokens to distribute to their users uh so any details around that and any plans with the op token out of lyra
1: yeah yeah i think it's a really interesting model that they're pursuing and lyra was so we were the first optimism native project we qualified for one of the first airdrops and we worked with our community over the last couple of weeks to put forward the the first proposal to the, the op token house as to how we would distribute um these tokens so we basically have an approach that is um i guess centered around the three pillars, we think of our digital community that we're trying to build on top of optimism. And the first part of that is the builders, right? Without them, there's no stuff. There's no smart contracts, no public goods. We need to incentivize them to keep building a lasting foundation uh, on optimism on chain. The second is liquidity. Any DeFi protocol needs liquidity to function. It's kind of like electricity, and we need to be able to make that sustainable, um, generate this sort of yield that we're talking about. And then the third are the traders, right? And these are the actual users of Lyra that are really paying the tax that we all pay to Optimism. Um, they're the ones generating the transaction fees, giving Optimism that revenue, which then gets funneled back into the projects. Um, so we're looking forward to hoping, hopefully getting that proposal passed um, when the Optimism token gets released. And really starting to, I guess, test the boundaries of like how we can start to do new distribution methods um, in an L2 native way.
0: Amazing, Mike. Well, are there any other details that you want to talk about or we haven't touched on yet that you would like to share to the Bankless Nation?
1: Uh, Not really. I think join, uh, follow us on Twitter, join the Discord, uh, stay in touch. The Avalon release is coming out next week uh, for the, the first group and in the next couple of weeks after that for everyone else. So, yeah, please join up.
0: Uh, Is there a date for this specific uh, Avalon release?
1: Yeah, so we're looking at this uh, seventeenth for the the restricted test net, and then the thirtieth of May for the uh, public launch. Amazing,
0: amazing, awesome, guys! Well, we'll put the links to Twitter and Discord in the show notes, so all the listeners can go and find that there. Mike, thank you so much for joining me on the uh, this uh, Alpha Leak edition of the Bankless Podcast. Thanks
1: for having me.